Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to David Bell, who is a New York Times and a USA Today bestseller. Welcome, David. Hey, thank you for having me. It's good to see you again, virtually this time, but it's good (laughs) to see you again. Yeah, It's good to see you as well. I enjoyed this book so much. It is a sort of a slow burn. Would you consider it that? I mean, it starts, its pacing is lovely to me. I was wondering, I thought, well, will we come out of the gate with somebody, you know, being coshed over the head right away, or will we have to wait? And we had to wait. And I love the suspense that you built up about this. Is this a typical way for you? My books have have been different in that way. This one, I think, um, takes a little bit of time to get going just because there are a number of different characters and a number of different points of view. And so we see the different characters in different places. Um, and it, and then we start to see how they all relate to each other and come together and who's following who and who's running away from who. Um, so it might, it might take a little bit of time to figure out how all these people are interconnected and how they're all gonna end up together. Um, I don't know that that was necessarily a conscious choice on my part as much as it was just as I started writing the book, um, these the different characters started presenting their stories, and and that was just the way it went. So um, sometimes I feel like some of my stories start like you're saying with uh, with the immediate thing. Um, this one maybe that didn't happen quite right away, but I hope the reader hangs with it until they start to see how all these uh, gears go together. I loved it. I like the. I find that your writing is so passionate and and welcoming and warm. So what happens with me as a reader, sometimes I can get into a, an author's voice, and I certainly did that with yours. I found that the characters were greatly fleshed out, and I was interested in what would happen with the girls. Give us a little bit of an elevator pitch about what the book is about. Yeah, it's about two half-sisters, Avery and Anna, and um, they don't really get along very well anymore. Even though they live close to each other, they don't really get along anymore. There, there are resentments that go between them, most of them having to do with their father, who um, left Avery's mother and got remarried to Anna's mother, and they had Anna. So that has created tension between the sisters that Avery feels like, well, you got time with dad and your mom broke up my parents' marriage. Um, They both in a number of ways feel resentments toward their father, who's a retired police officer. Um, They feel like his career and his life overshadows both of them in some way and in different ways. Uh, Avery, because she was a police officer, and as she perceives it, failed in the line of duty and washed out. Uh, We would call it PTSD. Um, And Anna, because she doesn't agree with her father's police techniques um, and finds him, him being elevated to the status of hero offensive to her. So 
there are a lot of complicated family dynamics here. The two sisters are forced to work together and find out just how much they might actually care about each other. I loved it. And I think it's, I think what you've given us is a, a normal family dynamic, you know, especially when you have uh, step siblings, you come at life in a very different direction. You're joined by a parent and that, you know, that gives you something to sort of fight about and, uh, and work together about. Uh, one of the things that you do is you tackle fear really nicely. Um, Avery has a fear of water and I sadly identify with that because water is very difficult for me. I love water, but yet at the same time, I have sort of a hate relationship with it. Um, how is your relationship with water? <laughs> well, I have a lot of fears uh, or phobias. <laughs> um, water is not number one for me. Um, I, I've not, I like water, but I've always felt nervous about water that I can't see into. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm in a swimming pool, I don't, it doesn't bother me in the least. If I'm in a lake or a pond or something <laughs> or the ocean, I am, I want to know what's below me. Right. <laughs> um, so maybe I brought that into the story. Um, but I, like I said, it's, I have a lot of phobias, but I have greater phobias like needles and heights are my bigger phobias. Right. Um, but the one with water for Avery is that she suffered a trauma in the line of duty involving water. Um, she has some unpleasant childhood memories about her dad teaching her how to swim, um, in a, in a non-politically correct way that we wouldn't do for children now. Um, and I see the story in a lot of ways. It's a redemption story for Avery. So eventually she's going to have to face that fear um, and overcome it um, or try to overcome it. So, um, so yeah, I, I, have a, I have a little bit of a phobia of water, but I have so many phobias, it's hard to land. <laughs> so do you use uh, these phobias in other books? So do you have a, a heights phobia in one of your books? I have, I don't think I have. I think I'm so afraid of heights that I just wouldn't even be able to write about it without being uh, uh, anxious and, and constantly, you know? And I, and it's gotten worse as I've gotten older because I was just talking to somebody about this. When I was 19, which was just a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. um, no, when I was 19, I went, a good friend of mine lives in New York City and went to college in New York City and we visited him. And I went on the observation deck of the Empire State Building. Mm. And I stood at the fence and looked, it's beautiful, but I promise you, you would not get me up there today all these years later. No chance. I would be on the floor of the lobby of the Empire State Building. I would not go up. You know, I, I think sometimes with a phobia, it's okay. I, just take a picture and send it to me. I'm good with that. So. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what the internet's for. I can look at a picture of the Empire State Building now. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree. So David, is is writing easy for you? Is it difficult? How does how is that as a New York Times bestselling author? Well, there are, you know, there are definitely days that feel easy or feel easier than others. And there are days that are very difficult. And I'm sure every writer has that experience that there are days when Everything is just wonderful, and we think we're the most brilliant writer who ever lived. 
And there are days that are very hard where we get stuck or don't know where we're going and and we feel like we're the worst writer who ever lived. I think that's pretty normal. Um, the only thing that I have going for me now is that because I've published enough books and I've done this enough time, I don't have the excuse to fall back on of, I don't really know what I'm doing or I've never done this before. I can at least look back and say, well, I have done this before. Um, I can look back and say, I've proven that I can do this. So there's really no excuse for saying that I don't know what I'm doing or I'm, I still, I still try to use that excuse, but, <laughs> but, but experience tells you that you, you have done it before you can do it again. Um, as opposed to say, you know, when I was first starting out and I'd never completed a book or never published a book and I could say, well, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I could actually finish a book or publish a book. I don't have that excuse to fall back on anymore. So there's a, you know, a, there's a little bit of confidence that comes from just having done it. Um, but I think all writers still feel some days like they have no idea what they're doing. I, I mean, I assume that there are days, as you say, that you feel absolutely brilliant. And then there are days where just like with every other job today, the job ran over me, you know, right. so it's like, oh, jeepers. Do you have a particular time that you write or a specific time or is it when you can? Because you're a professor. Is that correct? Yeah, I still teach as my day job. Um, the ideal time if I'm working on a, a first draft of creating something new, um, I try to do that mostly when I have breaks from school. So I have a long break between semesters and I have the summer break. So that's the best time to just create something new without any other distractions going on. And, and on those days, I try to, I try to start in the morning, mid morning. Um, and I try to think about a, a word goal for the day of like say hmm. 1500 words or whatever. Okay. Um, usually I can make it. I don't always make it, but usually I can make it, but that that's the ideal is to start like, cause I'm not, I know there are those people who, uh, like to get up at five in the morning and write. And I'm, I'm not one of those people. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't sleep as late as I used to, you know, when mm -hmm. I was, you know, 20 or 25 or whatever, and I would sit up all night and sleep all, you know, and blissfully until noon, <laughs> I couldn't do that anymore for some reason. Um, but I, I know I'm, I'm not going to get up at five. Let's <laughs> not be carried away. And I'm, and I'm not a late night person. I've known writers. I went to graduate school with a writer who would write all night. He would, because it was quiet and there was nothing else going on. I don't do that. So, you know, mid, mid morning is a good time to start when I'm awake enough, um, but there aren't too, too many distractions going on yet. I usually tell people I can do at 4 p.m. what some teenager can do at midnight. I'm, I'm really good right. at that at this point in life. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, I do love, back to uh, Try Not to Breathe, I do love the lies and deceptions and the, and the directions that the characters had. I feel like you've given us three sisters who are very, very different sisters, and yet they share some commonality. Um, do you have siblings yourself? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, this is going to sound, this is going to sound like I'm really dumb and I don't know what's going on. Um, I, 
as the fates would have it, I have two older half siblings. So the okay. so the dynamic in the story of the siblings of the two older half siblings who are close in age, and then this tag along third sibling who's like nine years younger than the other two. I'm that I'm Anna. I'm the third tag along sibling from the second marriage in my life. Now my siblings and I really get along well. I don't think of them as half siblings. We don't get into all that. Um, and there, and my dad was not a police officer. Or, none, none of that was going on. Um, but I was not, I, I don't remember being consciously aware of mapping that on, mapping mm -hmm. my life on mm -hmm. to the story when I did it. Um, but it was there. So I do have, I do have two older siblings um, and it's an, it's just an interesting combination of of traits that come up because on the one hand i got a lot of attention when i was a kid i yes. had i had i still i'm sure my siblings love that i refer to them this way but it was like i had junior parents i had parents <laughs> and then like junior parents um so i got a lot of attention um my sister um is retired now, but she had a long career as a teacher. So when I was a little kid, she was, I think, practicing to be a teacher on me. So I learned to read early and I learned to tie my shoes early because I got all this attention. Um, so that was a great benefit. But also, there's also a feeling of like, well, someone's always watching me. Someone's always, <laughs> you know. Um, I was never quite in step with my siblings so like when by the time i started kindergarten they were in high school you know by the time i got to high school they were married and start you know so it's like i was always out of uh, uh, like a half generation off from my siblings now old now as now that we're all old people and they're still much older than i am um, <laughs> as i like to remind them you know now we're now once you're adults you're all just kind of in the same current you know you're yes. you're adults but when when we were young it felt strange that i was always like half a half a generation off from where they were in life and that just was a strange experience and i think that's kind of what anna experiences in the book and i think i see that uh, not the correlation between you and anna but i do see that in reading anna because she is a bit of a rebel but she has that disconnect mm -hmm. of age difference and her her rebellion is is what's interesting, one of the interesting things, because what she does is she's sort of a catalyst for saying no. I mean, Anna's the one that says no sort of first and foremost. She just knows she's not comfortable with something. And that was something beautiful to read because Anna is one of those people that's like, this is wrong, this is screwed up, and I'm not going to just say yes. And I did so enjoy that because that bit of rebellion gets her in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. And I am not like that. I mean, I'm not, um, most of the time I'm not like that. I'm not like Anna. You're right. Anna is, um, impulsive. Um, she will say what she thinks to people. Um, I, I was raised in Ohio, so I'm a polite Midwesterner most of the time, most of the time, um, I guess. So, yeah, so that is what is appealing about Anna. I mean, first of all, she's young. She's 21. Um, I think all of us, when we're young, we haven't quite learned when to mouth off and when not to mouth off. And Anna is very comfortable saying what she thinks, even if it 
gets her into a lot of trouble and gets the people around her into a lot of trouble. And as annoying as that is sometimes to see that quality in young people, I think we still look back at young people, at least I do, and kind of admire it too, to kind of say, wow, that brassiness, that outspokenness is is fun. As long as it's not directed at me, <laughs> it's fun to see sometimes. And so that's why she is an interesting character. It is, and it's a breath of fresh air. You know, oftentimes as adults, we add on so many filters because we have to behave at work. We have to behave in society. We have to do all these things where young people are like, yeah, screw this. Yeah, the, the, And of course, sometimes with youth comes um, uneducated. They're not as educated there. So they do things impulsively when they really probably ought to think about it first. But I think it's a beautiful characteristic. I mean, as as you get older, when you get to my age, David, you'll realize that you you're beginning to unfilter because I think I wow. should be back to where I used to be because sometimes that filter doesn't really get us anywhere in life, not in the long run. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you know we the life cycle is that when like little kids will just say anything because <laughs> they don't know, and you know that's why you have parents saying like shh, don't say, you know. And then it is interesting when people get older, like, you know, like my mom is 91 now, right? Ooh. So like, if you get to be that age, it's kind of like, well, what, what am I holding anything in for, right? Well, you know, I can tell people whatever I think. Um, so that is kind of our life cycle is putting the filters on and then taking the filters off and saying like, hey, I'm going to tell you what I think. <laughs> I totally agree, which sort of the filter thing is, I love also the title. Try not to breathe. It is amazing. David, do you have a website or social media you'd like to share? Yeah, my website is davidbellnovels.com and all my social media handles are David at David Bell Novels. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok, which I'm kind of starting to use a little bit um, to make me feel youthful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on all those places. I love it. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thanks for having me on. It's good talking to you again. Good talking to you. Hang on for me just a second. <clears throat> Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at Dan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan. <laughs>